how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Early in his career, Kevin Rothery's goal was to have two jobs, one that pays your bills and one that you enjoy. Then, simply transition the one you enjoy into the one that pays your bills. Starting in the art department, Rothery worked on games like Grand Theft Auto 3 and Battalion Wars, and movies like Moon, starring Sam Rockwell. All of this, of course, led to him writing and directing his first feature. In Archive, Theo James and Rhonda Mitra unlocked the year 2038. In the film, George is working on a true human-equivalent AI. His latest prototype is almost ready. The sensitive phase is also the riskiest, especially as he has a goal that must be hidden at all costs, being reunited with his dead wife. In this interview, Rothery discusses how he used his skills as a comic artist to move into the game industry and eventually filmmaking, how story relates to visual art, his fascination with the series Mythbusters, why you should hang on to ideas at all costs, and what he learned from Duncan Jones on the set of Moon. Well, really through just um, <clears throat> trying, uh, well, having more than one job, and um, having one job that pays your bills and one job that doesn't, and then trying to make the job that doesn't pay your bills also pay your bills. So basically lots and lots of spec work to get to a point where people believed in me enough to actually get it going. The, the reason why I made the transition was it's quite simple, really. I just felt like I could. I was so heavily involved in the creation of Moon that I just felt like I could do it. I was, like, right there all the way through. And so I thought I'd have a go. And that then got me into the nine-year process of coming up with a story, getting a script together, um, meeting the people I needed to meet to be able to get things together, uh, having some luck, and, yeah, just not giving up. Are there any examples that come to mind maybe on some of the projects you worked on with visual effects or art department, like how might one use mood or tone or those kind of things to set the scene? Well, originally, I, when I was back in university back in the day, I wanted to be a comic artist. So, <clears throat> excuse me, sequential art was always a real thing with me because, you know, I grew up in the UK originally in 2000 AD. 
So my comic background, it's not the Marvel superhero stuff. It's like Judge Dredd and Road Trooper and Strontium Dog and all of the kind of British sci-fi comics. Um, so originally I wanted to, I was at university doing, uh, I was studying illustration, uh, graphic design specializing in illustration, which is perfect for me because I love graphic design, I love illustration, you know, put your hands together and there you go. Um, and then when I graduated, um, which was in 1996, which is like a million years ago now, the, um, the comic industry was kind of really shrinking at that time because Sony just launched the PlayStation and games were cool again and they were getting really good because everything moved into 3D. So that then got me into the games industry. So what I found was that all the skills that I had as a, you know, learning, training myself as a comic artist were really applicable in the games industry because, you know, if you're going to do like a, a sci-fi comic, you've got, to, you've got to be able to come up with a story. You've got to be able to design all the bits and pieces in there and then you've got to narratively tell a story and you've got to be able to like carry a mood and do things like sell the action when there's the action and hold it back when you're holding it back. And, you know, all the skills that I'd been developing as a, a comic artist, I, they were all really applicable in the games industry in one way or another. So what I found that when I started working in games, I could do all these different things. You know, I could design stuff for the game. I could build stuff. I could build, like, 3D art and stuff. I could um, put together, like, cutscene work. I could, you know, create a cutscene. I could do things like, um, you know, direct motion capture sessions and stuff like that. And it all kind of came together. And so I started doing all this stuff in the games industry. Um, and then that was where I met, uh, met my old chum, Duncan Jones. And he was just coming out of film school, wanting to um, be a film director, I hadn't thought about working in the film industry at all at that point, other than childhood dreams of working at ILM, which are obviously never going to happen. And so I was just doing the game stuff. But I was always, like, taking my 3D work further. And back in, you know, the games industry, back in the kind of late 90s, the requirements for what was in a game were much more rudimentary than they are now. So I was working with this 3D software that could do all this cool stuff, and I was only required to sort of swim in the shallow end for my job. So I started just getting into the deep end on my own time and getting into all this VFX stuff just for fun. And then when I met Duncan, I started hanging out with him. He was at film school. And so I ended up doing VFX stuff for his student films just for, you know, because he's, he's working on a sci-fi thing. I'm like, oh, I can, I can do a fine police car. I can do a blade on the street. Oh, it would be awesome. So I'm, we're just we moved in together and just living in a flat for 10 years. And we ended up trying to developing from that into trying to make films because he always wanted to be a director and I just did all of the art stuff. And eventually after 10 years, we had a couple of false starts, but eventually we made Moon. So what was the original idea for Moon and what were some of the challenges uh, working on that film? Well, originally it was, we didn't know how much money we were going to get. Originally we thought we might be able to figure out a way of getting a quarter of a million quid. So, it was all, you know, and this is one of the things that was um, really inspiring for me to do Archive was when we were putting Moon together, that whole thing came from me and Duncan having a conversation about what we might be able to pull off. And it was all based backwards from resources. So I was really adamant that we, it was going to have to be a story about one guy stuck somewhere. Um, and we'd have to use old school production techniques, which was the stuff that I'd, I grew up reading things like Cinefix and stuff. And so... You know, I've got a, I've got like a stack of Cinefixes on my bookshelf in front of me right now, and it's got all the old school films in it, like 2001 and whatnot. So, 
you know, I grew up like poring over the production details of those kinds of films. So, you know, things like Silent Running, that was a, a real inspiration because it's like one of my all-time favorite films. So to be able to bring that production approach into a contemporary production was actually quite straightforward because you're actually uncomplicating things in your approach. The trick of it is to pick the right battles and spend what little money you have in the right areas so it looks and feels like a complete thing rather than feeling like it's got holes in it and all your money went on that bit. It's something that we see quite a lot in production now in television. Um, are you familiar with the concept of a bottle episode? Yes, yeah. So that's uh, always a big tell these days. Whenever you spot a bottle episode, they just don't have enough money to be able to do it properly, and it shows. Um, so the whole thing with um, putting together a, a small-scale sci-fi indie film, you've just got to be very careful which battles you pick. And one of the things that I do, this is something I picked up from watching Mythbusters, which is one of my old favourite TV shows. They really got me into thinking about repeatability and about analysing yourself as you work. So I've really gotten into this whole thing about... Um, having my own techniques and procedures down because I've never had anyone teach me this stuff, so I have to figure it out. So I try and make sure that everything I do is repeatable as much as possible. And so what I was doing with Archive was me basically repeating and elaborating on the processes that I developed for Moon. Is that kind of, did you? Uh, I read Adam Savage's book last year. I know he's big on list building. Is that mainly what you're talking about? Just finding the best process and, and completely redefining, you know, the way you do things in the best manner. Yeah, it's being very analytical about yourself when you do things. Because uh, I mean, a good example of this is, you know, I wrote Archive, and it's the first thing and the first screenplay I'd written, and I never written one before, and I was quite apprehensive about stepping up and having a go at it. The only reason why I did it was because I had to, because I wasn't getting any results working with other writers, and years and years of time were passing. And I spent the reason why I needed to work with another writer was for them to give me a script. Like I had all the ideas, I knew what I wanted in quite explicit detail because I've been spending a long, long time explaining it to people and just not getting back what I what I needed. So you know, my whole take was, well, I know what I want this thing to be. I'll have a go at doing it myself, but. I've never written anything before, and it's a, you know writing films is a whole area of art that people specialize in and just do that one thing. So you know I'm really apprehensive about stepping into a new field and expecting to be able to compete with these people that that's all they do. But I had no choice, so I just jumped in and did it, took a deep breath. But um, this is the repeatability thing was very important, and the, the process was very important because I didn't have anyone teach me. I didn't have a process. So I had to figure out my own process of how to create a story, how to structure it, and how to roadmap a, a, a good story, and then how to translate that into a script. So I honestly, so much of my thinking and my approach to things is inspired by Mythbusters. Were there parallels between the story you're trying to write, like Archive? Is that related to stories of Moon? Would you say that, it, that they're both science fiction-contained thrillers? Yeah, I mean, they're basically chamber pieces, really. They're like, um, I mean, one of the things that I love about films like this is that you tend to work with a very small number of actors and then just let them kind of run away with it, which is just amazing. Like, I mean, working with Samuel Moon was just absolutely wonderful. I mean, that guy is like a stone-cold genius. I mean, you know, when we were doing Moon, it was like, what, nine or ten years before he won his Oscar. But you could tell right then it's like he deserved it. He was going to get one. You know, it's like, he's, he's that good. And to be able to work with Theo on this, 
I mean, honestly, the watching that guy work and the amount of the amount of um, value that is in his performance as far as supporting like the film as an entirety goes, I just think I've never seen Theo do anything like this before, and I'm just really excited about people being able to see it. I think uh, I think it's worth watching. I think people are going to dig it. What were some maybe of the unperceived challenges you faced while getting this film together and getting things in order to make it? Working with an entire crew that don't speak English as a first language. <laughs> we were in Hungary, and I had to learn some bits of Hungarian. I mean, they were brilliant. The crew was amazing. Um, but they're all Hungarian, and they, their English was definitely better than my Hungarian. I was getting bits of it down towards the end, but I needed those guys to speak English because... You know, that was that was how we were getting things done. And they were brilliant, but we still had some weird little moments where, you know, this wasn't what I asked for kind of moments. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of that going on at the beginning. But it couldn't have been any other way. And there's always a trade-off with these things. You know, some things are positive, some things are negatives. And the positives vastly outweighed the negatives. So this isn't anything I could moan about in any sense at all. But when I was when I was writing Archive, I was never imagining working with a, a crew that didn't have English as a main language. I just never even thought about that. So there's weird little things that, that come up, like the whole concept of a tarpaulin. There's a couple of bits in the script where I reference tarpaulins, and you know, I just couldn't explain to them what a tarpaulin was for some reason. Um, there's some some disconnect in the two languages where the word tarpaulin doesn't translate. Little things like that that. You know, they're a little bit of a trick when you need your art department to, to get a tarpaulin covering a car and they just don't even know what you're talking about and you just can't explain it to them. You know, it's really tricky. You end up going on Google Image Search and stuff. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like everybody on that production, their English was so much better than my Hungarian. So, and it is fun. I mean, it's fun learning languages if you've got um, the sort of luxury of time to be able to do it. Or but Actually, it's not so much luxury of time. The luxury of being able to get it wrong a bunch of times, that's the luxury. And, you know, when you're on a film set, that's not really a luxury that you have. So it was a little bit stressful, but the positives far outweighed the negatives. And, you know, I made some really firm friends out there. When you were pitching this idea to some potential screenwriters before you decided to take it on yourself, what was the main thing missing? And what did you kind of learn from that experience? Like what made you make the decision besides not finding it? Like, was there any pieces that started to come together? Did you like little bits in this or what made you, you know, pull the trigger and do it yourself? What it was, was I was describing things in so much detail that they kind of didn't really need to do that much apart from just put it all down. And they just kept adding loads of stuff and changing stuff. And they didn't need to do that. And this is the main reason why I did it myself was that I've already worked it all out it's, it doesn't have any holes in it it doesn't need this it doesn't need that i just i just need the words on the page um and yeah everybody was basically trying to do too much work to it and not understanding that that wasn't what i was looking for basically i needed less from them than they than they sort of realized and it was almost like they were trying to do too much work and it was all sort of breaking and i was also finding that the, it was the the read on the characters was tended to come in wrong. Like um, I was getting kind of weird takes on on the robots. And if you tell someone a character is a robot, some people immediately get preconceptions about that. But I didn't want to write them as robots. I wanted to write them as little girls, and then film them as robots. And that was how I wanted to get the the personalities in there. 
Um, and it's just a bit of a trick. It just, yeah, people just just weren't getting it. I don't know. It's, it was a good learning curve, though, because, I mean, you know, now I can generate my own material, which is like a superpower, to be honest. Um, and I'm, I'm, I should be saying thank you to them all for, you know, for that going through that process and ending up in that place. Well, I guess my last question is, what's kind of the big advice you might have for someone who has some, maybe some training in the art department or visual effects, they want to get their own story out there? What advice might you give that person? Uh, figure out how to write it. Um, you're going to have to get your get script together one way or another, whether they're doing it themselves or whether you're teaming up with somebody, you might have a friend who's a writer, whatever it is, concentrate on getting that material together. Um, one thing I would say is don't let your ideas go. Like if you've got an idea and you think it's got value, write it down. Like I use the notes app in my phone. Like I've got an iPhone, it's free. We've all got these things in our phone. Use that. And take the time, whatever you're doing, if you're, you know, you're walking down the street, you're going somewhere, and you just have an idea that you think has got value, write it down in your notes and just leave it parked there for later. And when you've got some idle time, just scroll through your notes and remember all the things that you thought about. Because I had the, I, I'm, I'm in a weird place now, like where I've, I'm, I've made this film and it's about to come out and. You know, it's awesome. It's like I've I've done the big hard thing that, that so many people are trying to do right now. And the only reason I got to that point, well, not the only reason, but one of the things that started it all was me writing down that note in my phone. If I hadn't have done that, I might have forgotten about it. If I hadn't have been constantly, you know, having it looping around, that thought might have escaped me. And that original Genesis thought, coupled with my mood at the time, brought me through this whole journey and got me to here. And so one the one piece of advice I would say is, hold on to your ideas if they're good like remember them track them and grow them because if you're going to make a film it will come from one of those ideas so don't let them get away and that is our show thanks again for tuning in if it's your first time make sure to hit that subscribe button on soundcloud or itunes also check out the new video essay series on youtube called creative principles and give us a review that's one of the best ways to help share these interviews thanks again